I don't like you. All right, everybody, welcome again. Thanks so much for joining us. All the three people that listen all around the world. No, I'm just joking, guys. Uh, there's four of you. No, all right, everyone. We are getting hundreds of views, actually thousands of uh, listens now on every episode. So it's incredible to know that people are actually listening to this and enjoying it. And I thank you so much for the messages when you reach out. Um, actually means a lot to me um, just because I have no other friends. So this is great to hear from strangers, guys. Uh, so this week we are here in Harry. Uh, well, I am not here. Sabrina uh, Beja Floor is here and she is going to be talking to us about how she started the scene here in Paris many years ago, her partnerships with Alex de Cavallo. Also, what it is like to be a female uh, on the scene in Zouk. Uh, and also a very controversial uh, subject. Controversial? Controversial subject. Um, I could just re-edit this out, but I'm just, this is just me. I like to do things in one take, so I'm going to keep this in. A controversial uh, thing about being a DJ on the scene and whether or not they're being paid, not being paid. What is the deal, guys? So let's get started. Let's go. <laughs> All right, everyone. <laughs> we are here today with Sabrina. Welcome, Sabrina. Thank you for joining us on Let's Talk Zook. How is your day going so far? Uh, great. I had a lot of work to do, but now I'm happy to join you. Thank you very much. I am um, uh, me and uh, Sabrina, or Sabrina and I have been trying to arrange this uh, weekly. That um, <laughs> you're so hard with different time differences and uh, work schedules. Um, so, Sabrina, tell us what is work for you? You said you just come back from work. So, are you full time <laughs> dance or are you not full time <laughs> dance? No, I have a what we call a, a real job. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what is the real job. <laughs> No, my real job is like my main job is uh, I'm a journalist. Um, I work for a news agency in Paris uh, and it's very specialized on uh, sustainable development. So this is my day job. And then I have a night job <laughs> with dance. <laughs> I was gonna, uh, you might keep on explaining that one. Your night job in Paris is, is dance, <laughs> right? I'm not a stripper. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I uh, I teach Zouk, so I teach uh, at least twice a week. So on uh, on Mondays I teach with Alex the Carvalho, and uh, on Wednesdays I have my own classes. So after that I'm going to join my my classes. So this is how my day goes. It's really full. <laughs> so what? Sorry, my days are really full. Oh yeah, no, of course. But this year is is really light because I don't have anything on Tuesday. Before we had also a party where I I also taught classes on Tuesdays. Now it's over, so <laughs> I got yeah. more time. And so then during the the weeks, the weekends, sometimes there are workshops or parties. Also, I go to festivals, and also I I also have a DJ, so I also have this job. <laughs> you did well. Okay, so there's so many things here. Firstly. How do you balance them or do you balance them well? Uh, I try to. Um, I think it's very uh, healthy for me uh, to have this, uh, these two different jobs. Like one, I just use my brain and the other, I can use my body, not use, not use so much my brain. <laughs> so this is really good for me, I think. 
And also it's a good balance because you don't get too involved in one or the other. You can uh, take a bit of space and uh, reflect better, I think. So you're trying to say you're scared of commitment, Sabrina? <laughs> Not so much because I'm into those two jobs for a very long time, so I can't say that. But uh, it's true that uh, I I don't want to have the pressure of um, only uh, dancing and um, making money with it. Why so, not? Um, because I think it's very it's very tough. Uh, so as I I started with my my main job with journalists, and in, I am able to do both. I prefer doing both, even though my my schedule is very very tight. If you could, like money wasn't issue, would you pick one over the other and just do one, or you like to have two? Mm. Maybe I'm not that sure because, uh, as I said, I like to have this balance of uh, uh, not always dancing and using my body and not always thinking uh, <laughs> and using my brain. So I think it's a good balance. But it's true that I, if I could, I would have a job um, um, with uh, less hours and then more hours for dance. But I would keep both. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> and um, obviously, you do journalism. Can you do any journalism within the Zook scene? Um, I thought about that, uh, <laughs> but I have no time, <laughs> <laughs> and it's too close to my 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 real job. So I let other people do that. I saw that uh, people are doing sometimes interviews. And I I saw of course your, your podcast and I I really enjoyed listening to it, but it's not what I want to do. Like uh, I don't want to to get involved. No, I have too many things. I also organize events. <laughs> you, you see, I'm already full. <laughs> Sabrina, how do you pronounce your full name? Um, Beja Flor. Sabrina Beja Flor. But it's not Marine name, you know. People oh. think always think it's my real name. Like, oh, are you Brazilian? Is it your real name? <laughs> it's your because your name is Brazilian. No, I just a surname. I picked it because I'm a journalist and I didn't want people to to know my my real name, so that my the people I got to interview don't go to YouTube and see me dancing <laughs> crazy stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Nice. So I picked, I picked it because uh, at the time I enjoyed the uh, samba and carnival. And uh, one of the schools that won uh, the carnival this year was uh, Beige Flor. And I also love the, um, the hummingbird because it's uh, it means hummingbird in English. So I also like uh, the, so I liked everything about this word. Also the, the floor, which is a flower. Beautiful. <laughs> so you, uh, so I don't want to get anything wrong. So I'd love you to tell me like, cause I think you kind of started the scene in France and Paris in particular, um, yeah. or you're obviously a massive influencer there. So, uh, and I know that you brought Alex de Cavallo over and, and things like this or, or not brought him over. Okay. I see your face. Let, let you, let, that's why, that's why I asked the questions and not do it. Please tell me Sabrina. How how did you get into this French um, Zouk? What, what kind of happened here? Yeah, so I try to be short because it's no, a story. Take, take 
but basically um, I discovered Zook in uh, in in Brazil in uh, 2006 or seven. I went there for a congress of um, Brazilian dances. That I was, but I was only dancing uh, samba, samba nope, samba solo. So I discovered, in fact, all the dances uh, in couples in Brazil. I don't, I didn't even dance salsa or whatever. So I discovered zouk, gafiera, forró, and I, I really enjoyed all those dances. But zouk was too difficult for me for to get in three days. So I decided to go for forró. And then when I came back to France, I mainly danced for her. <laughs> and sometimes there was a, a, some classes of Zouk by some teachers at the, the time, like Sebastian Asaro or Alex Lima, but there wasn't really not much and it was really not evolved and not developed. And someday um, in 2009, one of my friends told me, oh, let's go to a festival in Spain, a Zouk festival. Lombazouk, in fact, at the time. And then I went and it was the beginning of the story. I was completely addicted right away. Uh, And there I met um, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, who is uh, Aurélie. Aurélie, uh, so she already um, already danced uh, Zouk for years because she has been working in London. And she was uh, she was at Solange and Berg's uh, parties uh, at that time, long time ago. <laughs> so she already knew how to dance uh, Zouk. And I met her there and we went back to Paris and we were so sad, so disappointed. Like, oh, how, how are we going to do there? There's nothing. There's no Zouk. <laughs> Come on. She said, let's create an association. Uh, to promote Zouk, to develop Zouk, and then maybe we can dance <laughs> at least. So, so that's that's how we started. So she created the association ZoukDoBrazil.fr, ZoukDoBrazil.fr, and um, and I, I worked with her on this. And so we started to um, organize workshops with teachers from abroad, like uh, Olaya and Papagayo. They went many times. And uh, or Natasha, Gilson, we did a lot of stuff like that. So we um, we tried to um, do initiations in some bars um, to to invite people how to, to dance a bit. You know, we really really just like the basic steps. And we organized uh, small parties, so it was difficult because we were just a few few zookers at that time. So it was impossible to rent places. So we went to some bars in Paris. We found places, and we asked them, "Can we put the music and can we dance at <laughs> your place?" And then we we started also to 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 give uh, initiations. So that's why. <laughs> That's how it started. So we went from many places. It's a joke now because we we went to strange places like uh, that uh, smells of fries and uh, <laughs> you know. And now and now we we grew and we have um, normal places to dance. But at that time it was difficult. <laughs> and um, so this is how we started, and we we did that for maybe maybe five years before Alex came to Paris. So Alex came to Paris in uh, 2013 or 14, 
And he, we didn't bring him. He came by his own <laughs> because he mainly because he had uh, his children uh, raised in uh, in Paris, so he wanted to get closer to them. And so if he, he came to France because I think he found a job at that time, um, a contract. But then he didn't work, and uh, and he wanted to start his own classes of Zouk. And so as there was this association. Um, and the small community we built, uh, we wanted to help him. So we, we offered him to, to help him uh, start uh, classes and found, find some parties and everything. And so that's why how it started. And then we, we, we came into his team because he started right away a team like in Brazil. Because, you know, in Brazil, they have uh, this uh, tradition of having teams with uh, both sisters. So people that want to learn the dance but cannot afford to pay the classes. And so and they, they are here to learn, but also help uh, students in the classes. And so we started this team. And uh, all the people that were helping in the Zouk de Brazil Association, they, they came and they joined this team. And that's why uh, how we 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 started uh, the the classes in Paris. But this working. yeah, this was really important, uh, really a turning point because for many reasons. Uh, for me as a teacher, because I learned how to be a teacher. Because before we were just promoting and uh, we were giving small initiations, you know, of the basic steps. But when people asked me to, to give classes, I said no, because I didn't have the structure. Um, I didn't know, I was not sure of myself about many things because I learned in different congresses piece by piece. So it was really difficult for me to, to say, yeah, now I'm a teacher, I can teach you what I know because I was unsure of what I, I knew. Um, and when Alex came, he came with his uh, already with uh, his pedagogy. And uh, all was really well structured, um, the steps and everything. And so it made, made it clear to us um, about the, the, the whole technique. So this is, was, was a turning point for me because I learned how to, to clear it in my mind and become a, a teacher and be sure of what I, I was doing. <laughs> but also for the scene, of course, because even though there was already a community um it was not really growing fast because because mainly because we didn't have a, a teacher <laughs> to teach those people regularly and also to show a good looking zook you know because we were dancing but maybe a bit badly <laughs> because we were beginners also so when alex came and then he started to work also with mathilde so he could uh, he could teach uh, good classes and it could show a good looking Zook. So, and that's how uh, people, other people got interested into, into Zook. Yeah. So like, so obviously Alex came over, you already had some things going and now, cause I came over to Paris a few months ago and like, it was really busy. There was a really good vibe. There's loads of dancing in, in and around the city. Like you said, like how many classes are going? How many approximately like people are in the scene? And also I'd love to talk about 
as well, like the the team itself, like you said, like the bosses, because I know like Mikael and like Will and you and like, you know, how does that kind of work as well? So like, what exactly is the scene like with amount of classes and things like that in Paris right now? Um, so it was a bit different before COVID. We had more classes, more parties, um, more teachers. <laughs> And uh, and of of course with COVID uh, it changed a bit, so now it's starting to going back again. Uh, so we we have um, the classes from our team. It's like uh, on Monday we have different classes in uh, one school we rent, and we have uh, classes with uh, me and um, and Alex uh, with uh, Thomas and Virginie for beginners, and we have also Gab and Patricia. And on uh, Tuesdays, we have um, uh, Michael Boson, who is giving his own classes. On Wednesdays, it's me and Gab. Um, and then uh, th- we have also other uh, people from the team who are uh, teaching outside Paris. So Will and Miriam are in Lyon. There is also uh, uh, Patrick, uh, who is uh, teaching uh, outside uh, Paris. So we have different, you know, uh, different uh, people teaching. And uh, after we have also um, people, uh, teachers in Paris, like uh, Clément Céline, who are not from our team, but who are also giving classes. So basically there are um, a lot of classes, less than before, but uh, really a lot. Like on Thursdays, you also have a advanced training with Alex. So you can have from Monday to Thursday, you have classes in Paris. And then uh, Friday, Saturday, there are sometimes parties. But the, the thing also we lost with the COVID is uh, regular parties because we um, we lost, we had a party on Tuesday on a boat uh, and they don't have enough money for us now. <laughs> so we lost that. Um, there is a room we had every Saturday. Uh, the guy, he lost the room, so we can't go anymore. So now we are organizing uh, punctual parties for events like the Mac Project or or sometimes just like that. With Gab, we have also our parties in um, West Coast Swing School every month. So that's, yeah, it's a bit... Uh, <laughs> It's a bit difficult to to get the news because it's always changing, but we have a lot of stuff going on. And yes, the community is much, much bigger. I remember at one one time, long time ago, people were saying, is there Zouk in Paris? Like when you went to Germany, Holland or (laughs) Spain, or the people were like, is there Zouk in Paris? But you said, yes, yes, there is. But it was not really well known, you know. And now, now that um, Alex is organizing the main, the Mac project, Mac training project in Paris, there is uh, a lot of thing going on because it's like five modules, uh, even more now. It's like seven or next year will be eight. So it's eight weekends of Zouk in Paris plus the festival we have in July, Le Blanc Zouk. So there's a lot of things going on. So people are coming, coming, coming to Paris. And the people from Paris, there's an excitement because there are a lot of things going on and people coming. So yeah, now now the Zouk scene is really, 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 really great. I really don't know how, how many we are. 
I really don't know because it's the same. There were some Zookers that didn't come back after COVID and new Zookers that are really, really into it now. So um, I can't say, but you know, in the, in the parties, we are maybe like 40 people. It's not, but it's not, doesn't represent the whole scene. Of course. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Like there is definitely that buzz, like you said, like, even when I went there I felt like this buzz and whenever anyone speaks of Paris now there is this there is definitely a vibe um so it's definitely like made itself on the map um and then you obviously have the team as well um love to talk about the team more because uh obviously when I speak to Pedrino as well and he's just like man I wish my team was up there on the first the second the third the fourth the fifth on like the podiums of you know every category and like every time we see uh, you know all the like the Jack and Jill competitions there's always a lot of you know, the Paris squad, like, you know, mm-hmm. on the top placements and stuff. So I'd love to hear more about like how the team kind of works. Like, is there competitiveness between them? Is it friendly? Um, you know, how's that working out? And obviously, uh, you know, you can be truthful or you can lie, but um, it's up to you. <laughs> so uh, the team works like um, basically like in Brazil. Um, so Alex invites people who are really motivated um, and uh, we try to have a balance between uh, girls and uh, guys especially for the for the classes because some classes we have uh, we have many leaders for example on Mondays there are some classes many many leaders so we need to have followers so we can balance with the team and some of the classes will be the opposite so this is really, really um, helpful um, to have this team. And also uh, inside the team, people like to do both. Like the, the leaders can also go follow for followers and uh, and the opposite also. So it's really, uh, really good. Um, we, um, we have like a kind of a obligation because we don't pay you know we 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 don't pay classes so we have an obligation to come to to classes um to help so um, the most we can Uh, of course if you're sick you (laughs) you don't come but it's like uh, we need to have this um this uh, regularly regularity uh to come uh, to classes and uh and help uh the others so we we can divide between the the different classes there there is during the week um then we we try to organize trainings with alex so um it's true that it's difficult because uh, alex is very busy and also um it's difficult to get everyone uh, together uh but we try we try to organize uh, some trainings um but also if we if we we have many opportunities to to train between our, ourselves and there are a lot of people of the tra- team training on their own and also if you go to uh, alex um, advanced training on um, it's for students but you we can also go on thursdays so we can also improve so we have many opportunities and then um you, uh, inside the team there are some people who just want to be there to learn uh, Zook and be there and help. Help, uh, For example, the team also helps uh, during events. The Mac project, we need people for, to, to take care about the, 
um, the bar and the, you know at the entrance. Uh, so we need people to help. So they also do that. And so some people just want to to be there and help. Some of them uh, have the ambition to be teachers, to become teachers. But it's not everyone in the team. So maybe in a, a team of 20 people, because now we have also people uh, like uh, in Lyon, in Montpellier. Julie is in uh, Germany, but she's still part of the team. Uh, but on in this team, we have maybe um, eight people teaching or 10 not not everyone and so the then the the people who decide to to teach um usually they we all pass the mac uh, project evaluation and also um uh, we have uh, some kind of evaluation by alex also um to teach so and then everybody can decide to um to um to organize a class like uh, like we did with uh, with Gab on Wednesdays, we found another school and we opened the class, <clears throat> and so that's it. Then uh, about so we 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 all have um, we we don't all have partners, but uh, we for example me and Gab we have we are partners and also uh, Virginie and Thomas, and then different people uh, they are working solo or in collaboration with other people from the team and um, yeah that's it and then yeah of course we we train for jack and jill uh, sometimes alex give a special training for jack and jills and but not everyone also like to participate it's like a personal choice um, but it's true that uh, it's uh, also a motivation, you know, to to win Jack and Jill. It's like um, make us proud and Alex proud. <laughs> well, the dad, dad, look what I won! <laughs> That's awesome. And so, with so many teachers like kind of coming through now, do, is it like is it very competitive? Um, you said like you know you guys start different classes. Is that like? under one roof like is it you know is it all under like your stuff or is it under alex's stuff how, how does that mm. kind of work because the, the way yeah. you explain it i'm not sure if like anyone can just go and start a new class or because i'm just thinking like us at ukdc with padrino and the school is that obviously there's other nights going in different areas of london but then we have our team and we tell the team okay you can teach on tuesday this class and then pedrina will teach on tuesday at this class and then you know this other couple from the team will teach on wednesday um so how does it go with you or is it kind of a free-for-all is there one governing body so it doesn't kind of get all out of hand how does it work uh basically the main day is monday so monday is uh, let's say uh, Alex school or DBAC school. It's like uh, DBAC means Dance Brésilienne Alex de Carvalho and it's the name of our team. So it's like Alex and the team teaching on Mondays. So we have two rooms uh, at the same time. And so it's like in Brazil, the, the team is teaching. Uh, like I teach with Alex and in another room, it's, it's uh, Virginia and Thomas. And if they can't, they ask someone else from the team to help them. And all the assistants are splitting in the both rooms to balance the, the classes. 
And uh, same uh, after there was Patricia, she was uh, teaching a, a class, but she didn't have a, a partner anymore. So she asked uh, Gap, who is one of a member of the team also. So this day is like the team and Alex. And if, uh, for example, next week I'm not, I'm not there, uh, maybe uh, Law will replace me or someone else like from the team. And then uh, the other days, it's like uh, independent uh, uh, classes that we, we built ourselves. Uh, Mikael uh, do on the same, at the same place that on Mondays, but it is his classes and he manages everything in these classes. And on Wednesdays uh, with Gab, uh, we chose another school at another place to be somewhere else because not always at the same place in Paris to get new people. And so there it's me and Gab managing uh, these classes. And same for all the all over the people. For example, at the moment, Laura is teaching also on Thursdays in another place. So anyone can build his own class. We just have to, to say to Alex first what we are going to do because uh, to be uh, so that the information is centralized. But then, and we, we try also not to teach in the same day that another, um, as long as we can. And, and that's it. I think now is there's enough uh, students for everyone. So that's, that's good. We, so, so, yeah, uh, we always need to, to have new students also. That's what I was going to ask. How do you grow your community? How do you get new students in? Yeah, um, this is the difficult part, <laughs> but uh, we could do more, but uh, we could can always do more, but we need more people, more time. That's why it's important to have more teachers and more classes, because then you can reach more people. Uh, basically, before the COVID, we, um, we had regular parties, uh, two regular parties in a week with other dances. So one with bachata and salsa and another with bachata. So this was the easiest way to get new people because the, we teach uh, like initiation, beginner classes at the beginning of the party. And then people get interested and they go to classes if they want. So now we don't have that anymore. So this is difficult, but we try to, to do it uh, punctually. Uh, for example, um, me and Gab, we, we go to a party uh, of a, a salsa, bachata, kizomba um, some, sometimes uh, to teach a Zouk class. Um, we go to some events uh, organized by others. Um, there is also another big, big, big party where sometimes uh, we teach. So this is how we basically we, we get, try to get new people. Also during the summer, um, there is this outside place, uh, BNF, the, the library, where everybody is dancing there. Uh, all dances for even West Coast Swing, Tango, all the dances. And so we try to go there also to, to dance, to show our dance. And also sometimes we, we offer initiations, beginners class, so yeah, that is the, the that is the main uh, way to get new people, but you have to work for it. It's really long and tough because um, as we 
we thought about that with Geb is that uh, sometimes we go to a party and give class and sometimes the people who really enjoyed our class, they are coming, really coming to the regular classes, maybe one year later or two years later, because they, this year they are into another dance and they don't have time. But they this is uh, something in their mind, you know, that we put, oh, and it's growing, growing, and now they want to learn Zook. But it's really long and tough job. And also, there is, a, the, I'm, I think, the second way to get new, um, new people is the people from other dances. For example, in Paris, a lot of people from Bachata are coming to Zouk. Then they talk to their friends, like, uh, oh, it's really great, blah, 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 you should come. And then we get new people without um, having give, give, giving a class or talking to them. It's like friends of friends. And that this way also is growing. And how do you, um, this is really good. So the reason I'm asking is for, I'm sure there's other organizers or people running classes to you know who want more students so it's good to hear what what has worked for some people that might work for others um when you and gab teach for example at a bachata event or something like this what um how do you get yourselves in are you doing this for free to get new students are you getting paid for it how do you reach out uh you mean when i go to a party to uh teach yeah so say you said like you said like you, you and Gab sometimes go and you teach a bachata night or a salsa night. Um, no, you kind of get in. We always paid. <laughs> we always get paid because uh, in the bachata scene they are well paid <laughs> compared to Zook, so we don't hesitate to ask for money. Um, not. But do you approach them? What? You approach them? Um. Uh, depends. Uh, sometimes there are some friends from Bachata who come to talk to us to say, oh, the organizer would like uh, a class. Or sometimes we, we can offer also to give a class. Uh, sometimes uh, it's um, people who have an affinity with uh, Zouk and they, they saw us dancing and teaching they like and they ask uh, for us to come. Um, and then, then, uh, you get more and more, uh, involved, but it's true that you, you need to have, a, a kind of relationship with, uh, other dances, other organizers. It's really important to, to, uh, connect with them, to, um, talk with them. So you can be helped by some friends who are into the, those dances. For example, uh, in Paris, there is, a um, um, a guy called Remy. He has a channel on uh, Instagram. Uh, it's called PPZ, uh, and he's doing some videos of uh, of Zouk and bachata. And he was in the middle in the in the bachata scene before Zouk, so he knows everyone and he's always there, you know. And he's coming a lot to Zouk. And now he has his, he had his, this idea of filming um, people at the social and he's filming both. So then the people from Bachata, they get to see the videos from Zook. And also, I think this is a nice strategy to attract people. And this guy also, he had a lot of uh, contacts and he knows a lot of parties, organizers. So sometimes he said, oh, you could do uh, something there or I can ask. 
or you know so it's good to have also some friends in different uh in different uh, dances also i contacted the west coast swing school uh some time ago uh, temple du swing who um was which uh, who was really um interested in um in in having some zook because there is a link also between west coast and zook so they, <clears throat> then I, I I I approached them and I offered to give classes and then we started a collaboration and then we had a party with Zook and uh, West Coast and uh, and so the some of the people from West Coast got interested into Zook also and uh, yeah, now we are starting back starting again this year because they they opened their own school so it's really great because we have a. Uh, a new room to dance and so we we are starting with uh, regular parties in uh, once a month and uh, maybe next year we will join them to give classes uh, again regular classes that's decent no amazing and what is it like being a female on the scene Ah, (laughs) it's difficult The reason I ask as well is obviously I know that it's uh, posts I read um, on some of the Facebook forums and stuff. And a lot of the um, upcoming uh, like female artists always, um, you know, saying that it is harder, um, you know, that a a leader is okay teaching by himself, but not a follower um, and things like this. So it's just good to get like your opinion as well, obviously, because you've been in the scene a lot longer so i'd love to just hear a bit of background and ideas and um advice and just anything really about how it is yeah um yeah no it's not easy because um i think the main reason is well there are many reasons but one of them is that there is a lot more uh fo- good followers uh followers who can teach than leaders uh, there are some good dancers, but not all, all of them can teach, you know. So so we can already see in Paris we are many girls, and maybe there are only one, two, three, four guys who can teach. So it's difficult, you know, to um, this is this is uh, also because um also the leaders are um, Mainly, many the leaders are invited to events, and they sometimes they really don't care who uh, who will be the the follower with them. You know, uh, it happened to me recently that uh, uh, my partner was invited, but not me, and they invited someone else. So it's difficult because they they usually the leader is still seen as the 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 main uh, main actor you know uh, like he has the truth he has the the knowledge um he will make people dance at the party and uh, and like he can take any assistant with him and we'll be fine uh, so i think the now there are, there are some girls really uh, who are start trying to 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 raise uh, also the the um, I don't know how to say the standards uh, for girls. For example, Julia in Cologne or Jade in London, they are really um, like promoting themselves uh, on their own. Also, Paloma, I think, is uh, now more promoting herself on her own 
Well, she didn't do that before. And I think it's really important because we we have a lot of knowledge. We have a lot of things to pass also uh, during the classes. And it's better now because I think now most of the time I can hear the, the female teacher uh, speaking during the class and explaining things. And before, when I started, it was not always the case. It was usually it was a guy always speaking, speaking, and the girl didn't say anything. But there are so many things that a follower needs to learn in Zook. So difficult, so much technique that why the then the, the female teacher doesn't have a big role, you know? Um, Maybe there should be also more uh, like uh, ladies' techniques uh, classes in festivals uh, so that we can promote uh, more uh, the knowledge of the, the girls. Um, yeah, and that's why maybe that's why I enjoy so much um, being a DJ now because uh, I think in the DJ world, um, I can work on my own and I can be promoted for myself um girl or boys don't care we don't care you know just a dj and you don't you don't um depend on on someone so i think it's very empowering for me <clears throat> and uh it makes me more confident you know because then sometimes you can lose confidence um when uh when you see that uh, the leaders are um more uh, uh how can i say uh have more advantages than us are more uh considered uh yeah can be tough for the for the, the so lady do you, do you think there's a way that the scene can change that um whether or not that's from the organizers or current teachers or from students themselves um I think uh, first we have, uh, as um, teachers, uh, we have to stand up for ourselves, you know, to 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 defend, um, to promote ourselves, to defend what we can do, um, and then organizers also should be careful about that, about uh, partnerships, about uh, the the place of the the woman. Uh, as I said, maybe maybe we can have more also um, classes given by um, only uh, female teachers, um, or you can also. Uh, well, I love this idea that uh, next week I'm going to teach uh, in Frankfurt with uh, Julie, uh, who is a, a great leader, and uh, so it's two girls <coughs> teaching at the festival, and. Uh, I love that idea also that uh, sometimes can happen, you know, the, and promoted, promoting two girls. Um, and um, yeah, I think there's all the community should uh, think about that because we can't, we can't uh, lose the great female teachers, you know. It's difficult, for example, when you don't have a, a partner. I think about some some teachers on the scene who don't have a partner. It's, it's difficult for them. It's difficult to promote themselves, to get to get some jobs, um, to get uh, recognition, um, because you depend on uh, on someone else, you know. So 
they are uh, i think they have more value even because they 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 started to work on their own um and so they get a crazy amount of knowledge um and uh and i think this should be more and more um put um out on the scene and uh, yeah i mean i think it's going the right way i think because i i've seen some evolution already that's good and um i think i spoke about it in um bruno and haiza's uh, podcast, I think, or Matthias and Nina, I'm not sure which one. Um, but uh, I know that when I do my like my research, I know that a lot of followers, um, you know, complain that not enough stuff gets taught to them or knowledge isn't given to them in class. Yeah. Mainly, it's focused on you know, leader teaching perspective. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I uh, as I said, there's so many stuff to learn. Um, like um, even postural things, uh, you know, the way to to um, to get the body movements uh, for the head movements, or um, a lot of techniques, different techniques that you have to uh, to work a lot, a lot. That is different from uh, leaders. I don't. I don't say that leaders don't have a lot of things to work. Is that we have really crazy stuff to work, like turned with uh, with head. No, you don't have that. And this is like uh, <clears throat> something is uh, really important to learn uh, not to injure. No, so this kind of knowledge. Uh, that the the girls have, the teachers, uh, female teachers have, uh, it's really precious. And um, I know that some guys can teach also that, but um, it's good to have advice from people who learn also those techniques and use them every day. So um, I think that's why I, I really insist on, um, on maybe having more um, classes just for followers um or follower technique leaders can join also but uh i i i started also some workshops in paris a few few years ago about the ladies technique and um i try to mix also with yoga to to show how to move uh better and to understand uh, the body better and um there's yes it's, it's like infinite you can uh, you can do so many things uh, so many things to teach to to the girls um and this is really really important to get better in zook so yeah i think we should promote more <laughs> the girls amazing thank you and um i also had a question that because you mentioned about your djing um so what brought you into djing was it was it that in particular was that? Uh, you got into DJing. Yeah. Um, was it the fact that, you know, about, about the teaching, what you said, like, you know, is, you can actually film ah. more empowered on your own or it was a different love? No, at first, uh, um, in fact, I always loved music, you know, and uh, I always was the one uh, during uh, the association time to play the music because I love to search for music. But I was doing like that, like a playlist, you know. And then uh, it's again Alex <laughs> who pushed me uh, because he um, 
he organized uh, the Mac training project uh, since um, 2017. Uh, so at that uh, this year, he told me um, I'm going to do regular parties for those uh, weekends, and I need a resident uh, DJ. So you'll be the resident DJ. I said, no, I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And he said, yeah, you will, you will. And so as I am very uh, perfectionist, <laughs> I don't like to do, to do things just because someone invited me to do and I want to prove that I can do great stuff. I, I learned uh, the few techniques and I'm still learning, of, of course, but I started to learn to buy the, the material and everything. And then I started to play. And I really enjoyed, really, really enjoyed. Like uh, it's a big pleasure for me to um, to uh, to play music and um, to look for music, to see people enjoying uh, what I play, to search for the vibe, the next vibe. So it's really it's really nice. So I I did that, and um, I I think now I am enjoying more and more. And uh, also because what I said about um, I, I think I can uh, work for myself, you know, like it's my own thing, my own thing. Uh, I can promote myself. Um, I'm not dependent on, on anyone. I can um, I can go some to some events. Like I had, a, I've been really lucky to play in uh, Ilha do Zouk in Brazil, and it was really amazing to be there playing for people, for the crowd. It was really, really nice. So this is a great pleasure I have uh, now. And it's also different from uh, dancing and using your body. So it's also uh, another balance that I found, which is great, I think. How do um, how did you get the gig in um, in, in Brazil? And, and how do you get um, like paid work as a DJ now? <laughs> So that's another topic, which is really important. Um, so in Brazil, I was uh, basically invited by uh, by Alex uh, because he organized Ilia Duzuk and also at Alliance Zouk by uh, Rafael. Um, but as I, as I said, um, I don't like to do things because just I know people who invite me. So I, I really worked hard to get better to do those events and um and also they yeah of course they they paid me in brazil it's not a lot but as, at least they 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 pay people <coughs> it's not the case uh, not always the case in europe um unfortunately so this year i decided uh, not to do any events uh not getting paid because you know, DJing is not just playing music like that. It's a great, uh, a lot of amount of work you have to do uh, to search for the music, to edit them, to to have your library, to train, to practice, to you know. It's and then you go to events. You have to carry all your stuff in the luggage, and they don't pay for the luggage. You know, so there's a lot of things implied. I do that for pleasure, right? But um, I also think it's fair to be paid for a job. And also it's a big debate now that uh, teachers are paid, but DJs not, uh, not always, you know? And I think it's really unfair because uh, um, 
uh, DJs are really important because they they are, you know, pe some people come to an event just for the parties, in fact, not always for the workshop. And as DJ Kaka said, uh, if you do a workshop you don't like, you can change room. You can go to another teacher. But if you go out to the party, there's only one room and the DJ is shit, you're fucked. You can't, you, you, you don't enjoy, enjoy your event. You don't want to dance. It's really important music. So, so I think the organizers should um, pay more attention to, um, to think about who they are going to invite as DJs and value them. Um, like say their names and, uh, and uh, you know, say they are playing um, at that time and uh, do a program and everything. And, uh, and pay them, of course. Okay, so then sometimes maybe they don't have uh, so many crazy budgets, but at least pay a bit or find some kind of arrangement to, you know, to, um, to get them paid. Um, because then what, what you have is like events where sometimes there are, I will not say names because I don't want to criticize or whatever, but some big festivals, I know they are getting money, you know, of course, um, it's big. So usually I, they have money to pay teachers, so they should have money to pay uh, DJs. And, but they, they don't. So because it's easy because they are big and famous. So basically they have some DJs who ask them to come for free because they want to promote themselves. And so the organizers, it's really easy. They don't have anything to do. They just have to say, okay, yeah, come. And I don't pay anything. But then you have, um, like some DJs are not good. And some, you don't choose, in fact, your DJs, you know? So it's better to have a good programmation to choose and, um, and to invite uh, the DJs you really like and to pay them of course so um, and also some DJs when they are not paid they mm, like they don't care so much like maybe they will be late for the slot or maybe they don't care what they put or you know when you get paid you are really more uh, conscious about what the work you're doing and more responsible so um, yeah so that's uh, that's why uh what, what do you we have to fight for it? So we have to start not accepting things that are not paid because if we if we continue, it will be always the case, you know. But what do you think can be done about that though? Because I'm thinking, you know, from an organizer's point of view, if uh, I'm looking for DJs and someone approaches and says, I'll oh, I'll DJ for free and they're a good DJ, like there's no point paying someone if someone's gonna do something for free because it's it's better for your pocket. Um, obviously, if no DJs ever work for free, then everyone would get paid. But like, what do you think can, like, it, do, you, do you see a way that this can go? I mean, I read all the combos. I, I mean, I love DJ Bricks. Like, you know, we make sure we pay him for all the online stuff, for the iHeartRadio, all the Z DJs. Um, but like, how do you... I mean, I'm actually going to get, I think I'm getting Bricks or Kaka, I think, on one of the interviews as well. So I'm going to have a big conversation with those about it. But um, <laughs> um, but like, what do you think can actually be done, especially from the DJs listening to this now? Or even organizers, like, what do you actually think can be done to kind of, you know, close that gap or at least, you know, open the conversation? 
Uh, I think first, the first step is having this conversation, like, uh, because we didn't speak that much about this topic before, I think, or maybe in between us, but we have to make it public, like the, the, the people have to know that sometimes uh, happens a lot that DJs are not paid and, uh, and we should do something about it. So first step is talking about it. Then um, next step is, uh, I think the responsibility is on the DJs first, because as you said, if an organizer has um, offering of DJs uh, to, to play for free, why would they care to pay then? So, so first is responsibility on the DJs that has to raise the standard uh, and uh, and come to organizers as professionals and say, okay, uh, this is my job and I I my my uh, my fee is this, you know, okay, and then organizers um, should reflect on the place of DJs, um, the role they have uh, to their events, and um, and like when they make the budget, they have to take into consideration uh, DJs. Um, then if they, I, I understand that some events are small or they don't have money, but it, what is uh, strange is that usually those small events, they pay us, but the big ones, they don't, you know, you see the difference. So, um, so you can, you can also have a small budget, like you can say, I can't give you more than this. And then the DJ uh, accept or not because we don't have the same rates and everything um, and you can also find some other arrangements um, to that everybody is fine uh, something interesting you know yeah I mean it, it is it is funny like when you say oh if the event doesn't make money it's something they don't pay but that's not the DJ's problem <laughs> uh, as far as like if I run an event and it doesn't make money do I pay my teachers? I'm not going to turn around as then to say, oh, sorry, guys, you know, we didn't make money. I'm not going to pay you. Oh, venue, sorry for the rent of the venue. We didn't make money. I'm not going to pay you. DJs, like, that's not how business works. Like, you don't, you know, if your company, you know, as a journalist or whatever, doesn't make money that month or something bad happens, like, you still get paid. I mean, you might get laid off eventually, but you still get paid. Um, it's not the D, it shouldn't be the DJ's problem. <laughs> If the if the if the event makes money or not makes money, they should have their own rules and standards. So I think that's a yeah. But you know, the, it's true that but the the unfortunately the DJs are always the third wheel. You know, like uh, we we uh, we organize, we pay the venue, we pay the teachers, and then if there's some money left, maybe we pay the DJs. It's always like that. And so do, do you think now with the uh, like so many like sound mixes and sound clouds and stuff like that. People can literally just go on and press play. And I've got, you know, I've got your, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying, for example, like I could just download your, if you have SoundCloud stuff, I can just download your, your mixes for an hour, an hour and a half or two hours. And then my part is done. I just press play and I've got your best work already. Like, is there a thing there? Like, and again, a lot of people just use playlists. There's the playlist DJs. Yeah. Oh, but you know, then you you have to decide um, 
on about the, the the size of your event and the importance of your event. You can have small events, uh, small parties, in local parties. You know that you don't have many students and you don't have you don't have a DJ even, or you don't have money to pay them. And you you can use um, mixed cloud or playlists. Uh, we did that earlier with uh, the association, so it's totally okay. Um, but then if you want a bigger event with impact, uh, you need a DJ because uh, Spotify or Playlist or Mixcloud won't DJ do the same job. They <laughs> <laughs> won't do the same job. Or maybe sometimes it does the job better when the DJ is shit. But um, usually if you have a good DJ, it will be, a good DJ will be better because you can he can adapt to the scene, you know, he can adapt to, to the people dancing. Exactly. Uh, are they beginners? Are they on fire? Are they tired? Exactly. Are they, you know? So we always have to adapt and to change. So this is only a live DJ can do it. A hundred percent. I mean, this is, uh, again, I'm not saying anything is correct or not correct, but uh, it was really good to like, that's the good idea with these podcasts as well is that, it gets people at least thinking, gets people making conversations, opening up, you know, maybe doors that no one had thought of before. Um, but like, it's funny because, um, I mean, no one knows this about me, but I I was actually a professional DJ before doing Zook stuff. But because I run an events company, I would do weddings, uh, oh. weddings, 21st, 30th, 25th anniversaries, 40th. Um, so I spent my nights uh, doing like hosting weddings, like on the microphone and then doing all the DJing. But um, it's mm-hmm. just so funny when people talk about, you know, p- putting, you know, pressing play on a, on a, on a playlist. But again, the whole thing of the DJ is if no one's dancing, okay, you change your attitude, you change what you're playing. And then if people are going and they, they're loving the pumpy stuff, you keep it up or whatever. And then only if you want to change the atmosphere, you can change it all in one song. You can mm-hmm. lose people. You can get, but if you just play a, a general playlist that was made for a different audience, um, it, it's just, it, it, it's like, you know, giving a different type of food to someone that doesn't, you know, eat that type of food. It just doesn't make sense really. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but again, like as a wedding DJ and uh, stuff like that, I, I, you know, I would charge a lot of money to go, um and do and do these uh, events but it's you know that's it's a job and so is you know mm-hmm. a zook dj or a vachata dj mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it'll be very good to um I've, uh, I've spoken to bricks i think about getting him on as well so um it'll be good to actually uh speak more about that to hey. djs like traveling around and um the thing uh, which is good is that now uh, DJs um, are starting to talk uh, all together, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, thanks to COVID, <laughs> um, because yeah, yeah. We, we started to do uh, online things. So, uh, for example, I started also to collaborate with uh, iHeart the Radio, uh, which yeah. is a radio <laughs> launched in Canada. And it was really great because then we had a pool of DJs working together, helping uh, helping themselves uh, together and uh, and um, speaking about different uh, topics uh, as this one to get paid in events. <laughs> So um, and and a lot of a uh, lot of different conversations of DJs uh, started to to um, to be created, and then we can uh, share these these opinions and uh, concerns, you know, and we can start to think about solutions. 
so this this is also um, something that help uh, that will, will maybe things make things better. Yeah, a hundred percent. That that's what that's how everything starts, isn't it? A conversation, yeah. <laughs> just like this, Sabrina. Uh, so, Sabrina, what's your goals? I don't just mean dance goals, teacher goals, DJ goals, organizer goals. What's your, give me, give me some goals. What's your ambitions, girl? Mm. Uh, I have many. (laughs) Um, Because for me, like, it sounds like you do a lot. You've got your journalism, you've got your classes, you kind of opened and started the scene. Now you're DJing, you're doing this. Organizing things also. I enjoy I enjoy more and more organizing stuff. Uh, so I organized a weekend with uh, Mark and Melissa in Paris um, and with uh, Nina and Mateus. And um, I will have also uh, Solo and uh, Yasmin in April. April. So I, I like to also... Um, like bring the community together and uh, make them um, progress in their dance. And so I I like also to to organize those events where you have small events only with just one couple and you stay with them the whole week. And I think it's better value than uh, sometimes festival or you go to different classes and you have the head like that with different techniques and uh, different styles. And I like this idea to have uh, teachers, uh, only one couple. Um, and I, I, I really uh, choose uh, like the teachers, I think will uh, bring uh, some, some things to, to our students. Uh, so one of my goal is to uh, maybe to develop um, organizing uh, events, but it's true that it takes a lot of time, really a lot of time and it's very stressful. Because sometimes uh, you organize, uh, you have uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, fees, you know, a lot of uh, costs, and then the students they register last minute. So until the end, you're like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're stressed, and then it goes well. But it's very, very stressful. But I, I, I like the this challenge also. So this is one of my my goal. Um, I still have. Always the same goal of um, having uh, my dance, uh, getting my dance to evolve to another level. So um, always, uh, always learning, always evolving. Um, maybe do more Jack and Jill's. <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, this is something uh, I like also. Um, what I really enjoy the most, um, even though I also organize DJ and everything, what I really enjoy is to teach. Um, I really enjoy my regular classes in Paris uh, to to get new people to dance. People, you get them from zero and then you teach everything and then you go to a party and you see them dancing. It's like the craziest thing ever. Like, it makes me really, really happy. So this is really something I want to to keep and to to develop. Maybe I'll, I'll do more workshops in Paris, but I still have to find some time. <laughs> so yeah, and and DJing also. I want also to evolve and train more to get better. So a lot of things to to do, um, and um, yeah, basically I want to keep up my my passion because uh, it's really important in my life, uh, this passion. Um, and 
also I want that this passion makes me um, happy and not uh, stressed because sometimes uh, can get me stressed or or um, or lose confidence also because it's very difficult. Um, so I want to be more confident, more um, to to keep only the good things, you know, to remove uh, what is difficult and to keep only the good things. That makes me happy and proud of myself. That's very sweet. I like that a lot. <laughs> oh, well, I think, Sabrina, that's pretty much everything I had to kind of ask you and indulge in. And um, yeah, I really like some of the conversations we had. Um, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say to end, Sabrina? Mm, I didn't prepare a conclusion. <laughs> Don't need to have a conclusion. Just uh, where can people find you? Anything coming up immediately? I'll release this podcast in probably a month or so, so mid December, end of December. So, okay. Merry, um, Merry Christmas, everyone! If you're listening, <laughs> I don't know if it's before Christmas or after Christmas rights now, but yeah, if you come to anyone, if you come to Paris, uh, just come and reach out. Uh, we have uh, classes, we have parties, we we will organize a workshop with Gab in uh, December and uh, the 17th of maybe, maybe with this podcast will not be released. And uh, for next year, we have so many things uh, like uh, the Mac project will be uh, on also. And uh, I will organize this event with um, Solo and um, Yasmin in uh, April, and maybe a surprise also in May. In Ooh. May, and uh, and also other people like uh, Michael, Patricia, they organize also stuff. So there's a lot of things going on in Paris. And so if you need any um, any uh, information or advice, I, I'm here. Uh, I already have a lot of people also coming to me on like the spot of information in Paris. When people come to Paris, they reach out to me, but I, I like to, to uh, inform people. So You're a helper, Sabrina. You're a helper. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for being so kind to be on. And um, yeah, I wish you all the luck. And I hope over everything, you manage to stay happy. <laughs> I'm not so stressed. Thank you so much. <laughs> so guys, what do you think? I hope that you enjoyed. I hope that this does open conversations. That's kind of the whole um, point of this podcast is to just kind of get people's uh, brains going, people's mouths talking, um, people's bodies listening. Um, so I hope this was informative and enjoyable. And thank you so much. And um, we look forward to next week. I've got a real treat for you. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Goodbye. I don't like you. Hey!